Well, it's a joy, isn't it, to, to see children and to watch their excitement and to know that the love we have for children is nothing compared to the love that God has for us. That's not just a cliche. That's the truth. That's the truth that we gather together here to celebrate. The fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can have a relationship with the Lord. Well, I want to take just a few minutes and really talk to you from the Bible about what Christmas is about and what really God calls us to as, as his children. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to spend some time there. And let me tell you what we've been doing together as a church. And I invite you back next Sunday. We'll be here on Sunday morning at 1045. And then we have two services in the evening at 5 and 7 o'clock, candlelight services. would love to have you come out and join us then. What we're doing right now as a church body is we're taking a, a different kind of look at the Christmas uh, events and the account of what all happened there. And the way we're doing it is we're, we're focusing on some locations locations that Christmas are all about. So for instance, last week we dealt with Nazareth, and that was mostly Mary. And we saw that, that Christmas is about humble beginnings. Is Mary just a, a humble girl, probably early teens, and God used her to bring Jesus into the world. And as dynamic as it is to look at Mary and to think about the challenge that that was, really the event is all about God coming to earth as just a baby in a mother's arms. We focus on the humble beginnings. But today we want to look at Bethlehem. That's where our attention is going to go today. And, and what I want to challenge you with as we, as we consider what occurred there in Bethlehem on that first Christmas morning, but really what happened months prior to that and years after, is the idea that God's plan was going to be fulfilled you see, Bethlehem is all about God keeping his promise and God fulfilling his plans. We had a lot of plans for today. People brought their children in, had them all dressed up. You planned for them to be up here to sing and to, and to remember their lines and so forth. You know, human existence is all about plans kind of thwarted. We set forward and we have plans, things we want to do, things we want to accomplish. And it is human to not see those plans come together. I know for us, for my family, um, one, one planning element of our lives, we plan for a trip. You do trips, and we'll plan those on occasion. We're not the best planners in all the world, okay? It's just not really our expertise. And so I remember on one occasion, we, we planned to drive out to Oklahoma. And you're going to laugh at me that what we did, we just said, hey, we'll get a hotel on the way. Okay, and we take off driving. I figured there'll be some place, right? There's always hotels, there's always like Holiday Inn or something like that. And so away we go. And now 10, 11 hours later, I mean, I am falling asleep. And I'm saying, Nancy, where are we going to sleep? Where? I thought we're going to stay in the car. There was no room for us in the end, you know? We're trying to find some place. wasn't good planning. But listen, God isn't that way. God sets forth a plan. And God always follows through on his plan. And we're going to see that today in Bethlehem. 
And so I invited you to turn in your Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew. It's your first book of your New Testament. And I want to go right into the first chapter. And really it's where this, the story for today really starts. It's in chapter 1, verse number 18. And although the passage doesn't say this is happening in Bethlehem, I have every reason to believe that what's occurring here in chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through into chapter 2, is primarily happening in Bethlehem to a man who's from Bethlehem. His name was Joseph. He ends up being the adoptive father of Jesus. And what we're going to look at today is what God had to say to Joseph about his plan. And we're going to see that fulfilled And my challenge is that you might see God's plan in your life. I mean, you're here today. You need to know. You are here in this room today as part of God's plan. You're not here by accident. You're really not here to see your grandchildren. God, the great architect, the the one who has a great grand strategy that he's working out in our lives, has you here today for a reason. And I want you to be invited to his plan. Let me read to you from God's word. I'm in chapter 1 of Matthew at verse number 18 and following. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, likely, you've heard the word Bethlehem many times. I mean, every time we, we come around to the Christmas season, it's, it's there, this town of Bethlehem. But what does it mean? And, and what's the significance? And what do we learn about God by focusing our attention 
on Bethlehem. Well, let me tell you, Bethlehem, in, in the day when, when all these events were occurring, was a well-known town. It was a small town. Don't get the idea that it was a city. But it was a well-known town with a rich history. Pastor Bill, this morning, he read from the book of Ruth. You know why he chose that? Because the book of Ruth is taking place in Bethlehem. That's where it occurred. Jacob buried his wife Rachel in Bethlehem. Much of the book of Judges happened in Bethlehem. David, the the future, the, the king of Israel, was born in Bethlehem. And so Bethlehem is often called, along with Jerusalem, the city of David. You see, this town of Bethlehem was rich with meaning. But really what the meaning for us to understand is that it's about promises kept. And I want us to see that today. Now, the road to Bethlehem is really about, it's, it's the epicenter of Christmas, is it not? I mean, next week we'll celebrate Christmas and, and we'll think about a manger scene and, and we'll have a nativity maybe there in your house and, and we might sing a little town of Bethlehem. It's the epicenter of Christmas. I mean, that's where the event occurred. But what led up to that? And why? Why, why is it so significant? Well, there's a hint for us right here in the passage that we read. Look with me at Matthew chapter 2, verse number 6. And let me read it again. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. You see, God is about promises kept. A promise keeper is a great person to know. It's important that when we share our word, when we say something, that we mean it. And we follow through on it. God said those words. Through the prophet Micah, 750 years prior to Jesus being born. God said, I'm going to send the one. And he's going to come to this little town of Bethlehem. That's packed full of history. That's packed full of meaning. Because I keep my words. I keep my words. That's who God is. God is truth. God keeps his words. God has a plan. God provides for his plan. And it happens through his son, Jesus. You see, Bethlehem has at its core a promise of hope and deliverance. And I want to to take just a few minutes today and share that promise with you. The hope and deliverance that God offers Through an event that occurred at Bethlehem. We need hope, don't we? We need hope. We understand the need for hope. The world around us has given up on hope. Maybe you've given up on hope. Maybe others have let you down. Maybe events in your life have let you down. And you're ready to give up on hope. Listen, look to Bethlehem. And I want us to see that God comes through in his promise and brings hope. But honestly, bigger than hope, bigger than hope is our need for deliverance. 
for deliverance. This is a need that we all have and seldom ever recognize it. Everyone we know, everybody you know, has this same need for deliverance. To be, lived, to be delivered from the bondage of sin. To be delivered from the presence of sin. To be delivered from the consequences of it. Now to find this, I want to take you to another place in your Bible. Okay? You have to go to about the middle of your Bible. Go to the book of Micah. I want us to turn there. It, you, in, the, in the middle of your Bible, turn right, okay? It's right smack dab in the middle of those 12 little books that, that you don't really turn to very often, okay? Go to Micah with me, and I want us to see what God's promise was to his children, to his people, and really by transference to us. Now, as I already said, Micah was written 750 years prior. 750 years prior to Jesus coming to the earth. I want to read in chapter 5, I want to read what God promises he's going to do. What God promises he will do. It's verse 2 of chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. The passage goes on, and I want to read it. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Folks, this is a promise that God made. That he would send one. And this one would be born in this small little town of Bethlehem. Now when this passage was written, the people that it was written to were under great distress. They had given up all hope. And a prophet comes to them and says, yes, you have turned from God. And God is going to bring judgment to you. But I want you to have hope. I want you to have hope today. So God promises to people hope. And that hope comes through this one. And let me explain and let me describe what he's like. From you shall come forth for me, for God, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This one who came to Bethlehem, born as a child, is called here one from ancient days. Now that is a, that is a power-packed technical term. It's referring to the God of the universe. That God would come to the small town of Bethlehem, born to Mary, adopted father of Joseph, and he would be in that child, the ancient of days. And he comes for a reason. He comes to be a shepherd to his flock in the strength of the Lord. 
verse number four. You see, I told you we all have a need. We have a need for deliverance. And Bethlehem shows us that. Because what we need is what the Bible calls a shepherd. Now Bethlehem, in Jesus' day, Bethlehem was a town that was, that was honestly surrounded by the industry of shepherding. Because see, just a few miles away was Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, on a regular basis, sheep were slaughtered and worshipped to God. As a reminder, these sheep were slaughtered as a reminder that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. So Bethlehem became a town that was centered around the sheep industry. Shepherds everywhere. Sheep everywhere. And to these people, God says, I'm sending one who will be of the ancient of days to shepherd my people. Now, we aren't very familiar with shepherds. Any shepherds in the room? Probably not. Let me tell you about a shepherd. A shepherd cares for his sheep. A shepherd loves his sheep. Now, that might seem strange to us. But you know what? I got a dog. His name is Mushi. Why do you laugh? It's a great name. He's a Shih Tzu Bichon mix. Often I sit on my couch, and he jumps right up there next to me, and he snuggles up right next to me, right there. He likes to sit right next to me. Sometimes I say to him, oh, Mushi, you're a good dog. Rub him on the back. He doesn't answer. Okay, so you can relax. Now, I'm not sure that shepherds feel about their sheep like I do, Mushi. Listen to what the Bible says. The shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. When a wolf comes into a flock of sheep and the shepherd is there, the shepherd, at the expense of his own life, will defend his sheep. He'll lay, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. Paul later said this, you know, you might die for a good man, but Jesus, the great shepherd, he died for us when we were sinners. You see, when God said to the children of Israel, to the people of Israel, I will come as the ancient of days to this little town of Bethlehem and I will shepherd my people. That town of shepherds knew what that meant. They knew what that meant. They knew that that meant the God of the universe would come to meet their greatest need. To deliver them from the thing that was truly holding them back. You see, our problem is not political. Our problem is not Societal. Our problem is not economical. Our problem is spiritual. And we need a spiritual solution. And that's only found in the good shepherd. And so when the prophet Micah spoke 700 years now before this time. And he said, he shall stand and shepherd his flock. And the strength of the Lord. The people said, 
Oh, I need that. And Micah said, and there shall be peace. And so the angels sang there on that morning in Bethlehem. Peace. Glory to God. Folks, do you need a shepherd today? Have you looked for solutions through all different means? But the reality is you're a sheep without a shepherd. See, this this motif is all through your Bible. Jesus came into Jerusalem. He saw the people. He saw the masses of people. It's like a modern-day Walmart, you know, on Black Friday or on, on Christmas Eve now. And Jesus saw the masses of people. You know what he said about them? He didn't say, get out of my way, I'm in a hurry. He didn't say, you get on my nerves because you're loud or you smell bad or you're in my... No, no, no. His heart was broken for the mass of people. You know why? He said, because they are like sheep without a shepherd. My heart breaks for people who live without the good shepherd. So how do you meet him? How do you find him? Where do you go to connect up with that flock, you know? How do you connect with the good shepherd? Well, go back with me one more time. Sorry. Go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. It's familiar, but if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. It's interesting when you compare the Luke passage, Luke 1, where the angel comes and speaks to Mary, and you compare that with Matthew 1, when an angel comes and speaks to Joseph. When you look at what the angel said to Mary, when the angel tells her that, you're, that the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and, and you're inside of you we place this child... And he will be the son of the most high. It's it's just striking to me as I read this and I see what God had to say to Mary. Mary said, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to occur. God answered the, the what and the how to Mary. But to Joseph, being a man, okay, God answered the what and the why. What's going to be accomplished? What's going to, how's this going to play out? God answered Joseph, why am I doing this? What will I do through this? And you'll find it in Matthew chapter 1 at verse number 21 through 23. And folks, it's an introduction to the great shepherd. Hear what it says. To Joseph, this angel says, She, in verse number 21, being Mary, Mary will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, Matthew writes, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Notice what 
Notice what God brought through the angel to Joseph. I want to, I want to start at the end when he says, You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, this is the hope that God offers you. When we enter in relationship with God, we can then call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, we were made with a need for God. But that, that, that need, that desire, has been supplanted. It's, it's, been, it's been broken through our sin. And so now we stand as people. Every human being, me, you, the person sitting next to us, we all stand with this need. And the need is for God to be with us. You afraid of the dark? I'm not ashamed to tell you, when I was a child, I was afraid of the dark. I don't know what it was. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. You know, I mean, some guy come underneath my bed and grab me, or what's going to, I don't know. But I had a real fear of the dark. I remember one time, my sister coming into my bedroom. I'm laying there crying in my bed. Okay, I'm like 17 years old. No, probably six, all right? She came into the room. She called me Mickey. It's my nickname. And she said, Mickey, don't cry. And I remember saying, but Karen, I'm so afraid. And she said, I'm going to sleep right here with you. And my 10 years older than me sister, probably 16, 17 years old, jumps up in the bed, goes to sleep right next to me. And you know what? It's all I needed. Emmanuel, God is with us. Are you alone? Are you living life alone? Are you living life without that shepherd? That's not what God invites you to. That's not what you were designed for. That's not what God wants for you. Christmas is all about a means for God to be with you. Christmas is all about a means for you to be able to say Emmanuel, which means God with us. How's that happen? Well, remember, I told you the angel was telling Joseph, this is how, this is how it's going to work, man. This is how it's going to work. So look what he says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's understand what he's, what he's saying. Let's, let's, let's unpack this. She will bear a son. So Jesus is human. He's a son. Born of a mother. Jesus, 100% human. A son. And you shall call his name Jesus. You know what this means? This means one who delivers. It means one who saves. It means a warrior who saves somebody else. This was his name. Joseph, listen to this. I'm going to have a boy. He's going to be a savior. He's going to be a warrior. He's going to be a deliverer. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. 
You see, now we drive to the basket. The greatest need that we have. We feel the need. Now listen, this is important. We feel the need of God's absence. We feel that. We feel alone. We feel the need for Emmanuel. But the real need that we have is for Jesus to save us from our sins. The felt need is the absence of God. The real need is the presence of unforgiven sin. Let one drive you to the cross. Let the absence of Emmanuel, let the absence of God in your life drive you to the cross. Because Jesus didn't stay an infant. Oh, no. I mean, the next verse, Matthew chapter 2, you don't see it, but two years of time goes by. In Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is a toddler now. Go a little further, and Jesus is a 30-year-old man and has a public human ministry of about three years, at the end of which the spiritual elite people of that culture understand what he's saying. When he claimed to be God and claimed to offer forgiveness, they hated him for it and took him out on a hill and nailed him to a cross and let him hang there and die. Driven by hatred and driven by pride, he was murdered that day. And it seems empty and it seems a loss but it was fulfilling this plan of God. Because remember what I told you at the start. God always keeps his word. God's plan always succeeds. God always comes through with his promise, always. So Jesus saves his people from their sins so that we can experience God. With us. So, if your need for Emmanuel, if you allow that to drive you to the cross and experience and see your need for forgiveness, you might ask, What do I do? How do I respond? Well, around here we say it pretty simple it's as easy as ABC. It starts out with this. In order to be saved from my sins, i got to be willing to admit that I've got a sin problem. It starts there. Now, most people are willing and, willing and ready to admit that they have sinned. Most people. In a second, oh, sure, I've done wrong. But that's not what this is. It's not just that you've done wrong. Sin means that you have violated this holy God. That you've rebelled against this God and it reveals itself by what we say, what we think, and what we do. Do you see that in your life that you've rebelled against this holy God? Admit that to him. Secondly, believe on what Jesus did. The angel said to Joseph, you have a son. His name will be Jesus. 
If it was save people from their sins. Believe on what Jesus did. When he went to that cross and he died as an innocent man who'd never sinned, he was taking my sins and dying in my place. And he offers that to you. And then thirdly, see, just call out to him. Call out to him. Call from your heart and say, I know I'm a sinner. I believe on what you did, Jesus. Save me. And instantly, what happens is God is with you. This is the plan that God set forth from the beginning of time. Fulfilled at Bethlehem in the birth of Jesus and completed 30-some years later at a cross when Jesus laid down his life for our sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, this is the hope and deliverance that you offer through a humble king. Lord, we come here today and to watch our children sing, to have that joy of seeing them grow up, But Lord, the truth is that we all recognize that we came here today stamped on our hearts is a need for you. And I pray for the one this morning, Lord, who feels that loss, who feels that brokenness, who feels that absence, that God, you are not with them. So Lord, we look to your cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't stay an infant, but you grew to be a savior, dying in our place. We thank you for the truth that Bethlehem brings, that you keep your word, that your love is sure, that you shepherd your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.